0: centering sisters the podcast featuring real talk for black women by black women here are your hosts psychologist for the culture dr tiffany monford dent educator for the culture dr carolyn strong and storyteller and healer for the culture the tamara winfrey harris
1: good evening everyone we are so excited for you all to join us on this episode of centering sisters a video cast for black women by black women Um, it is the month of november for one of our co-hosts we she likes to call it rovember i do
2: (laughs) don't make me go get my jacket
1: that's what happens when you allow a member of sigma gamma rose sorority incorporated to join you in a space during November, um at least the fortunate thing is it's not the 22nd so we don't get that double double up with the 22nd of November and the 22nd of every month so but we are oh, will? we will we will it's coming it's coming. <laughs> so again, thank you for joining us on this episode of Centering Sisters, a video cast for Black women, by Black women. Go ahead and tag your friends in. Make sure that they're on here and joining us as we have an awesome show for you today. My name is Dr. Tiffany. I call myself a psychologist for the culture because in the work I do, I like to center the needs of Black women, girls, and femmes. And as always, I'm a beyond thrilled to have with me my co-host, and we will start with the... Tamara Winfrey Harris. I, hello,
0: Dr. Tiffany and Dr. Hello, <laughs>
2: I'm
0: Dean Tamara Winfrey Harris. I am a writer who specializes in the intersection between race and gender. I got two books, two Dear Black Girl Letters. From I only the- got one. On Step, you know what, Stepping Into Your Power, which came out in March of this year and the sisters are all right. Uh Changing the broken narrative of black women in America. The second edition came out in October.
1: That's what she and, keeps
0: saying.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, let's be clear. We only are aware of one, which no. is the one that we have. Like, I am aware of this one. I worked you know, so I got hard this
0: as a black woman, you
1: know. Well, I have I, this one. I really been. But scr- I'm hearing there's another one that has a second really edition. I've really been struggling. <laughs> 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 oh Lord, not
2: scruggling not Hey y'all Not the Struggling. It hey, it's hard Ooh, to Everybody that showed up to talk about the toxic peoples
1: I mean, hey I, I thank y'all for coming Lashandia, Kimberly, Dion, Ramona, Lynn Thank you all for joining us um, Again, tagging your friends Make sure that they're joining us As we hear from Dr. Carolyn Strong
2: um, Before you hear from me, just a quick disclaimer Uh oh So tagging your friends into the conversation on toxic loyalty does not necessarily mean that they are toxic,
1: but it could. And you may tag in some people who ain't your friends, but you know that they are toxic and you (laughs) want them to come to some recognition of what they bring in to the table. So for some of y'all, y'all may be tagging in your people's who, you know, it's one of those things when they say, "Um, you know, you know, we all know that one person who's the one that everybody's like, oh, and irritating you like. No, I don't. It's probably because that's you. So sometimes that's the way I was going to say, just
2: take the gum when it's offered. But I digress.
1: I. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hi, Thanks, Jen. My lovely war. Don't make um, me go Steph, get and my, my And I'm always a sweetheart. So thank that's you. That's not true Soror. at all. Thank that. It's already incorporated. <laughs>
2: That's not true at all. Hmm. But since you did ask me to introduce myself, I will do do. so. Um, I am Dr. Carolyn Strong. I'm an educator whose work focuses on bridging the discipline disparities for African American students, particularly African American girls. So, there you
1: have it. Alrighty, so again, thank you for those of you who are joining us on this episode of Centering Sisters, a video cast for Black women by Black women. Uh-oh. Hold up,
2: we got a question. Tag every single one of them, Lynn. Go ahead. <laughs> she ain't tag, talking about
1: us. Lynn is talking about who can she tag? And it may appear that it's us because we are that for our page, but we 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 know oh, what no, Lynn no. is talking she about. Oh yeah, we know who Lynn is talking about. <laughs> So, again, thank you all for joining us on this episode of Centering Sisters. Again, tag in all your friends, your family members. So we are going to, of course, do some of our other segments. And then we are going to the topic of the day that we are centering um, as relates to black women, girls and femmes is toxic loyalty. So let's go ahead and get started. What do we with? I hate
2: the Internet.
1: We're going to start with I hate the Internet, which is we are we, when we we all are on social media. We end up seeing something that is out there and we're like, you know what? I just I can't believe that y'all putting this out there. And so right now, this one is the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. That's it. That's the tweet. It says find you someone who loves you as completely and unconditionally as Judge Schroeder loves Kyle Rittenhouse. And there's this other, there's also a picture for those of you who are listening that shows the judge reading a magazine on the, as as he's on the bench and he's saying, tell me you don't care about the Rittenhouse trial without telling me. So as many of us know, we've been following this trial. Rittenhouse is 18. He's on trial for homicide and attempted homicide. He decided to leave his state, go to another state with an AR style semi-automatic rifle during this night of protest um, where people were protesting a police shooting of a black man. He was 17 at the time. He went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he shot and killed a uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, 36, Nancy Uber, 26, and wounded Gage Grosskrauts, 28. Um, Rittenhouse, white. Um, he was white just like those he shot. Um, but at this point, the jury is deliberating. Uh, They have been deliberating for about they deliberated seven and a half hours on Wednesday um, of last week and they've been deliberating for about eight and a half hours today so one of the things the judge said <laughs> he allowed Rittenhouse to randomly draw the numbers from a lottery tumbler of who would be alternate jurors prior to starting the deliberation. So he was like, go ahead and roll the little thing. You pick, you pick Rittenhouse. So for Is those. Is this a
2: trial or Chuck E. Cheese?
1: You know, I mean, he's done stuff as we know from the beginning, where he has um, made it clear that he's supposed to be called Kyle versus house, which is what you call adults in the court system there, but in, they call people by their first name in juvenile court. So he's very clearly been setting the stage for people to look at this person as a child.
0: Not allowed to call the victims victims. Nope. That part. I What I want to know is, and any um, attorneys that are listening, please tell, like, what recourse do you like his behavior the judge's behavior seems like blatant malpractice like i I don't know how any of this is okay so is there recourse for something like that when a judge seems to be acting completely unprofessional i guess he is acting the way the system is designed so maybe i answered my own you
2: know um I can't answer that, but I do have a professional judge segue. Um, So we're going to I'm going to skip around a little bit Mm because you just just kind of spark some things for me. But uh, Jen says that he can be reported to the state bar. Okay,
0: but what do we do about the trial? So if if he gets
2: reported to the state bar, wouldn't it be a mistrial?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Where the lawyers at? Where the police side
2: people at? You can't try someone twice. No, but that's if, but if it's a mistrial or if the verdict gets thrown out because of some malfeasance on the part of the judge, then the first trial didn't happen. Right. So you're not trying them twice if it didn't happen. That, because, you know, that's always been one of the things that I've never understood about court because you're just literally supposed to pretend like things didn't happen. (laughs) Like, when they're like, strike that from the record, jury unhear that, this, that, and you're just like, but...
1: And, and I, I just told me he confessed. But I think the thing that that's purposeful for, you know, a lot of times attorneys are trying to get it in. And they're like, they know that you ain't going to forget. Somebody can tell you to forget all day, but you ain't forgot. So.
2: Absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: So you said you had another...
2: I do. Like, oh, I, I'm skipping because... Okay. Because you got me with the um with the with the judge. Ooh. Okay, this is the right one.
1: Okay, no, that's not it. So that one, sorry. This one is a judge admits to secret sexual relationships with multiple prosecutors, some of which prosecutors describe as abuse. But he says, you know, the convictions in his court should stand because at all times I maintain my role as a neutral and detached judicial officer. This is former Oklahoma County District Judge Tim Henderson. Again, he's admitted that he's had sex with multiple prosecutors. Um, And so there are people now that have ordered uh, the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals, order the evidentiary hearing and rule on like new trial requests because some people are like, so let me get this straight. You were having sex with the prosecutor on my case who's supposed to find me guilty, whose goal is for me to be found guilty. And I'm supposed to believe that as you was having sex with them on the side, that you were, none of that was coming into play in your verdicts. There was actually one of the accused, um, there's a prosecutor who says that the judge actually was sexually abusing her in April, 2016 and continued till about August of 2018 um she also said he emailed her in 2019 and wrote that he needed to she that he needed to get over it since the relationship she needed to get over it because their relationship had been over a year ago so again they're looking at did this impact his position
2: now is he the one that's arguing that it didn't impact his position
1: yes he's saying it didn't impact what i did
2: so if he's arguing that him, not, um, we're not talking about the people that are saying that they were sexually assaulted. Right. Of course, that's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. But the people that had sex with him willingly and it didn't impact their decision. Didn't you just tell us what y'all saying do and don't do? You know what? I got questions. I'm sorry.
1: Like your <laughs> argument is that it, it she felt nothing. Is that not his argument? I mean, I think his argument is more so he he didn't impact him. Yes. Which still makes you wonder.
2: Do you see my face right now?
1: I I, I don't want anyone to see your face right now. But I mean.
0: White patriarchy is a hell of a drug. That you could even try that. And that people may just listen. The fact that they're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out. Whether it impacted any of his cases, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it impacted his cases. I mean, there.
1: Somebody's asking, "What is in your mug?" They just wondering. We know that you've already put on the jacket for November. That you did, I did. I put it on, and it's it's got
2: my name and my baby name on it because you know legacy. Um, what is in my mug? It is fall. So, what is in my mug is a Reiki infused hot toddy. Um, of
1: course, What did you say? I said my face like, mm, So okay.
2: I again you know I, I look to find all the black Owned liquors so I found this one at Benny's it had a little black owned tag On it and it's called Guidance um, American Craftsman Small Batch Whiskey And I think it's local Don't quote me on that part But it's definitely black owned And so I have That which I did Reiki infuse. You use your Reiki training your way. I use my Reiki training mine.
1: Yeah, I don't think um, that's what Reiki and oh, wait, I, You reiki it? Huh?
2: You reiki it? I sure did. I reiki the whole bottle.
1: I did not know that that was what the purpose of Reiki was, was to.
0: The purpose. The liquor. Is whatever you want the purpose to be. Okay.
2: Um, so I, and I use local honey because I got allergies and the local honey actually is very help. It actually, the local honey helps me with my allergies more than, um, than my Zyrtec and stuff does.
1: Okay. Is it I, the honey or is it the alcohol? That no, 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 no. I mean, the honey.
2: okay. Like, um, because what happens with local honey is that because it's local, it's being pollinated by the bees in the area so you're ingesting small amounts of you're ingesting small amounts of the allergen so you're building up
1: a tolerance okay so why are you extra let's let's suck look at how extra you being i'm going to get the black folk whiskey small batch. I am then raking my whiskey. I am then going and finding some bees in my local community who have pollinated for the purpose of making sure that I have not something to not just deal with my allergies, but also that the honey is from here. And I've infused all this together. That's too much. I got water. So if anybody wants to know... And I also
2: have some organic lemons because you didn't let me finish.
1: Of course you have organic lemons. I also have local beverage. What is your local beverage?
2: I have the toasted
0: coconut rum mm. that we know we love so much. Oh, from, um, the cabin. from Brown yes. County, from the cabin, mm-hmm. from Brown County, Indiana.
2: Mm. I have um, Evian from the, Al- about the, oh. the nearest. Yes. 1854 and 1884. Love it.
1: And, of course, Katie King, who joined us before from just a Tanch, is saying she loves that you're being extra. Make sure y'all follow Katie King out there if you are trying to find out about other beverages. And she does some great food options, too. So so we now know what's in your cup. We now know it's November. So what is, what's up next?
2: I don't even know anymore. Y'all got me off my square so bad.
1: I mean, it's that's all you alls fault. Is it? Is yeah. It? I wouldn't think so. And so again, <laughs> the internet is ridiculous as we know. Um, this is an image of written house and it says, and the Oscar goes to, and it shows his effing around face and his is finding out. Face? face. Go ahead and tell us what his face no, is. You have to say, You, what you, have to right to tell you not have to, say. you do. That's all you getting from me today? We don't know what that I'm means. My cuss quotient. I have to save my cousin for toxic loyalty because I might have some stuff I need to say. We'll give you a pass. So anyway, as we know, um, he has been trying to push these white tears um on the stand without actually crying because again, as we know in society, um there are certain groups of people who are supposed to be given compassion and grace when they do horrible things because of who they are, and he's playing that to the hilt. So that's all I got.
2: I mean, is it white tears if there are no actual tears?
1: Oh, oh yeah, they counting it. If they if he squeezed out one, it's enough. They because they, if you've did, seen the stuff they were saying, they said he was tearful on the stand. I saw crying on the stand. I saw not a damn one. Not Nam, and I meant Nam because that's the that's the number Nam.
0: I need I to care. work on my cry face.
1: And it, it's no one's going to care, though. You're that's a black true. woman. That no one's true. going to care. So you can you can cry buckets of tears, and people be like, "Please don't get any of my stuff wet. <laughs> Please don't cry. cry don't on get anything. my stuff wet. Please don't cry on anything. It, it was it was
2: definitely giving." the whiz tin man for me <laughs> it teen. was definitely a team a mm-hmm. like that, that's what it was giving for me but i digress okay.
1: I, I i cannot i cannot
2: um we're gonna move on because okay you what know, you know, got to get to the toxicity we have got to talk about toxicity. speaking of toxicity y'all got y'all boy back y'all said y'all wanted him back Everybody on the internet says, you know what Kanye's problem is. He need him a black woman If he ain't had him a black woman, he wouldn't be acting like this no more. So here we go
1: So in this image, Kanye West was spotted courtside. Well, you know, he calls himself yay now with oh, model Venetria at the first Donda Academy basketball game So as you know, one of the things that the world seems to believe and again this whole toxic loyalty is that when black men are at their lowest they have crashed and burned the expectation is that we pour water on them we help them up out of all of the trenches and we build them back up they come back to us even if you notice with kanye even the progression of his relationships he start when he did through the fight when he did his uh college dropout and he talked about when after his car accident it was a black woman who it was a Delta. It was a black woman who was by his side, helping build him up. And as he's gotten 99. bigger, right? as he's gotten bigger, he's gotten further and further away from black women. And now here we are with a black woman. And no, I don't. He's not divorced yet. I think they're, yet. they're finalizing. They're I very much separate they're and really
0: separated and finalizing. Don't put that on us. We are not responsible for that. Obviously, we are. And sisters, quit choosing men that are like home improvement processes projects get you a fully formed man yay is not it but But that that's isn't
1: that how it goes is that you start with us and while you're trying to build and build and build we are here we're taking on the extra jobs we're letting you sleep on our couch we're the ones out there selling your music and saying make sure that you hit up bay you get successful you leave us but what
0: those need to start being as disloyal as they say hoes are.
2: <laughs> Tammy, you're on time out. <laughs> I'm you just saying. Wasn't was Kanye the one that said and when he get on, he leave your ass for a white, for girl, a white girl. girl? Yes,
1: he did. So was that prophetic? Gold. Yeah, because she's a gold digger. Yep, that one. That's him. And again... It, it's common in our communities. Um, it's common when it comes in entertainment that we are those. We are the ones that are helping you when you at the bottom and when you get to the top. <laughs> not there. Oh, no. And according to Katie King, she says she waters parsley and Swiss chars, not Negroes. <laughs> So, again, for those who are listening for who do not have the ability to watch. So, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not surprised. Like, I would have – he's making his way back as he needs to build himself back up.
2: Yes, I did put Tammy on timeout. <laughs> Vader just asked if Tammy was on timeout. Yes, she is.
1: She should what? be.
2: For what, what I –
1: <clears throat> oh, you mean when it said, you I say hoes are loyal? Yeah, we need Dr. to Carol
0: and strong. What I do?
1: <laughs> what I do? And my face see, gonna be the same as I get a face for Carolyn Straw.
2: But see, here's my thing. My questions are usually legitimate. My what? question was legitimate. You know a what statement? you do? Calling out all the disloyal hoes <laughs> of the world—that's just rude, <laughs> and they in different area codes. Okay. Moving along,
1: you know um, what? I, try,
2: I tried something new today Uh-oh. because because I can and that's my business.
1: That is That you can.
2: Um, I wanted to try I Love Us because I see things, I come across things okay. that really don't fit into what you tried it or I mm-hmm. hate the internet mm-hmm. because they're just so steeped in us mm-hmm. that I'm trying I Love Us. So y'all let me know how it works. Here's the I love us.
1: So in this one, what had happened was someone was like um, they talked about Bernie Sanders and like, is he still alive? And the um, the black woman comes on and says, I hope your space suit rips in space for because Elon Musk. what
2: happened is Bernie Sanders basically got on Twitter and said, we we st- seem to stop talking about the fact that we need to tax the 1%. You know, basically he was Yeah, And Elon Musk who was never called by name mind you never Elon Musk came and replied and said you still alive and then some random black chick was like I hope your spacesuit rips the next time you go into space and I just thought that was really funny
0: you know I should maybe stop sipping my drink because for the first like one third of your explanation i was thinking of bernie Mac, (laughs) and i was really really confused (laughs) really really confused but now it makes sense
1: (laughs) why are you like this i I think yeah i think you need to just sit it down the whole way (laughs) put it over on a different table yeah just
2: finish it and go for what you know hell
1: I think you know. Sometimes I'm with you. I like. I love us because sometimes we say and do things where it's like we are just amazing, and we and it doesn't even take a lot. Like she did that in one sentence. Like,
2: she was like, "Next time you carry your rich ass to space, (laughs) hope your spacesuit rips."
1: I love. And next
2: we have, and this one was real funny to me. So So, this
1: is a picture of Angela Bassett and Lynn Whitfield. And so the person said, what's the evil Angela Bassett's name? The light-skinned woman from that movie with Martin. She sometimes plays people mama. So they're trying to figure out who Lynn Whitfield is. And they called her the evil Angela Bassett. I don't but, but if you think about it, which I had never done
2: I, until that moment, Lynn Whitfield is anti-Bassett. Like she she, <laughs> she is. really is. When Angela, like she is Definitely the evil queen to Angela Bassett Snow White. She, that's true. I'm that the version of somebody.
1: Huh?
0: I want to be the evil version of somebody. That sounds. we'll, well I have
2: I, to think on that.
1: We're going to have to figure it out. So if somebody can think of who Tamara is the evil version of, that might be interesting.
2: Because <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, it went things for like the two days after I saw it. I was like, he ain't right for that. He ain't right for that, but he ain't wrong either.
1: Mm-mm. It's so us. Yes. Again, I love us. I love us. So somebody, uh, LaShondia says she needs them in a movie together. So, so it is, I think, time for us.
2: It is time for us.
1: So we are. We we, our next segment is Centering Sisters, where we. Focus on some issue and we focus on it from the way that it impacts us as black women, girls and femmes. And as you know, today we are talking about toxic loyalty. Um, Again, this is Centering Sisters, a video cast for black women, by black women. Tag your friends in. Join us in the conversation because we want to hear your thoughts. And I think one of the things I'm big on when we kind of talk about something We want to make sure that we explain what it is. And I think this is the piece that we as black women need to think about. When we talk about toxic, part of the biggest thing is we need ourselves to understand. It does not mean it will kill you in small doses, because sometimes we get this belief that if we are in some type of relationship. Um, If we're displaying loyalty, that automatically we should know that this is going to cause us a problem, that we should be able to see it. But, you know, it's like anything else, little bits and pieces of it at a time. You start building up that tolerance. But over time, it's going to impact you. It's going to wreak havoc on your life. We know also that as it relates to toxic relationships, it also comes in different places. We're going to talk today that it's in your family, toxic loyalty, your friendships, your dating relationships how we interact with our community. In community, we can talk about our institutions. We can talk about um, just our community as our black community and then also in our workplaces. And then this last piece that we want to look at as we get more into detail, what it looks like. In toxic loyalty, and I want y'all to let us know if this is for you, your needs and wants do not matter. The idea of suffering and martyrdom is this expectation that ride or die, you put up with anything. You are not allowed to show up fully. The idea of joy, which we talked about a few episodes back, is rare. But this idea of pain and experiencing stress is common in order for you to kind of continue to hold on. You have to suspend reality. Because madness is happening, and you have, in order to justify why am I still here? Why am I putting up with this? You have to suspend your idea of reality. And then you're expecting a different, different than what has become common. Like you're hoping for something different, and you hold on to the belief that this is going to change. So, we're going to talk a little bit about toxic loyalty. Who? So we want to hear from y'all as well, like your experiences with toxic loyalty. So I want to hear from y'all. I go ahead, Dr. Carolyn, the Tamra. Hmm? No. no, I was going to say it starts early. But go ahead, Tammy. So I was going to say that. Time that
2: time. Time. I'm going to let you talk first. The,
0: <laughs> the one thing that occurred to me while you were reading um, that last slide is that Black women are uniquely like our loyalty is expected to be unconditional. And I think that's what all of those points describe. Like We are supposed to be loyal to people, family, institutions, jobs, church, all of those things, no matter what they do to us and no matter how they erode our well-being. And I think that's unique. That is why, you know, loyalty is often toxic when it comes to Black women, because there's supposed to be nothing that can happen to us that makes us disloyal
2: i think that has more to do with the fact that we're not supposed to feel anything because being fed up is a combination of being overwhelmed and starting to truly believe that you deserve better and we're not supposed to experience either one of those feelings and that's why most of the time when black women are fed up. The response is "How dare you?" From everyone, it's it's a how it's a big "How dare you?" with a whole bunch of bullets underneath. It's "How dare you prioritize yourself?" "How dare you um, listen to your feelings?" "How dare you?" "How dare you give up on this black king that the world and already gave up on 511 times?" Um, "You was raised in this church." "How dare you?" turn your back on Jesus because somehow the church and Jesus over the years became one and the same, but I digress.
1: And, and I think the root of it is that is when it comes to us as black women, we are praised for putting up with a, a bunch, bunch of men I mean, we just are like, we are praised for being putting up. Like that is where the world looks at us and puts a spotlight on spotlight on us and tells us how wonderful we are when this person has babies on us and we take him back. We are talked about how forgiving we are and how wonderful that makes us. But if we leave they behind, then we we talked about is how dare you um, when this person in our family what will say when it's your parent and your parent is very clearly toxic and people are saying, but you need they will only support you if they believe that you allow yourself to be beat down emotionally and they're like look at you honoring your mother and your father and so the praise comes for black women only when we allow ourselves to be con- Continue in these relationships that very clearly are killing us slowly and by killing us That's physically and emotionally. We are, you know, this goes in all of your body You're going to feel that stress. You're going to have issues with your heart You're going to have issues with your breathing. You're just going to be stressed out You also are going to be an emotional wreck depression anxiety all of these things But that's the time when people praise us. They praise us when the world is treating us badly
0: because our value you know, other women, particularly white women, are thought to have like intrinsic value. They have value because they exist. You know, our value is often based on how much we can endure. Like how much trauma can you take? How much can you carry? You know, it's like you're sizing up a good pack mule. Like how much can I put on your back? And the more I can put on, then the better a woman you are, the better wife, the better like you know, church member. I mean, you heard so many people talking about during the the Cosby trial. You know that that Camille, like, she's a good woman. You stand in by her man. So like, so like, that's the measure. How how many rapes does your man have to commit before you leave? Like that's the like that's the measure. How much can you
2: take? And I well. Um, we've got some good comments here that I kind of want to highlight. Um, LaShondia said, I think it, I think it happens with your children also, especially if you're a single mom. Um, you know, we often ask our children, you know, look at everything that mommy and daddy have going on. So yes, this sucks. Yes, this hurts you, but I need you to forgive, 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 forgive. And yes, there is a certain amount of grace that you can ask, but grace should never be expected because grace is always going to be a choice on the part of the giver. And while there are times where you should, you don't have to.
1: And and I think that forgiveness, that the way that we frame forgiveness is one of the most the biggest tools of toxic loyalty because we hammer in this idea of the forgive forgiveness is forgiver like you need to forgive because that's going to be helpful for you when we know a lot of times when situations are toxic our forgiveness just becomes all it does is move the line and that person then is going to jump over that line that we put in place that so we said you know this is as far as i'm going this is all i can endure but when we forgive they're like oh we good. I can then continue and press this line. And so we, you know, one of the things, even as a psychologist, people are often amazed at me because they, I don't press forgiveness when I'm working with people who have been harmed. I'm like, you know what, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do, but that has to be your decision. And what that looks like is your choice because forgiveness does not always mean that that toxic person then again, has entry into your life. It can be, you know what, I've moved beyond this situation for myself, but that doesn't mean that you continue to have access. And I think that's one of the things I'm always finding is that Black women are told to overlook, forgive, and that is how we oftentimes are kept in all of these toxic situations.
2: It's our version of shut up and dribble. I mean, that's that's essentially what it is. It's shut up and dribble. It's like, okay, sometimes you forget why you're here. And it seems like everything always manages to go back to why we're here. Mm -hmm. You were brought to this country to make more slaves that were useful to us. That is your function. So Mm -hmm. shut up and dribble, shut up and carry, shut up and push out these babies and, and do whatever it takes to keep your community going so that we can continue to have this system of free labor. And all that's done is morph over, is morph over the centuries. It's, it's um, now we've gone from free labor in the fields to free labor in the prison systems. All it's done is morph. And the whole time, Black women are expected to be quiet and take everything. And like um, Felicia said, the underlying assumption is that Black women's trauma doesn't matter. And I would amend that to say the, overarching belief is that black women's
1: trauma doesn't matter. And I would like, I'm wondering, cause I heard you say like, shut up and dribble is kind of that, that mantra that we're hearing. I'm wondering for those of you who are watching, if you could kind of put in the thread for us, what are some of the toxic messages that you hear as black women that kind of pushes this narrative of toxic loyalty for you? Tamara, what, you, what I, was you about
0: then? I was gonna say, you know, one of the things that is toxic about the idea of forgiveness for Black women is we're told to forgive without any reparations or reciprocity or mm-hmm. repentance or anything. So it really is not about us. It's not about making us feel better or release. It's about us overlooking what has been done to us because it's not like someone came and apologized and they're changing the way they behave and so we can get to a place of forgiveness. That's right. not what people ask for. They no, just what want have you done blanket, to repair the harm?
2: Blanket forgiveness. That's not for us at all. Right. What have you done to repair the harm? Right. Other than show up and say, I'm sorry, like you're three years old.
1: But I think even that expectation that you have to do something is not allowed for black women. Um, and and I think that that's that piece of it is that even if we get to the point of saying, I'm done, then the we are still supposed to suffer and the consequences, no one has to offer you any type of explanation for continuing to harm you. And um So a couple things that um, I because I had asked the question like, hey, you know, what are some of these messages that you're giving that kind of push this narrative of toxic loyalty? So we have be a ride or die is one that's listed. We have they family is a phrase heard to justify continuing to give people access to you when they're toxic. Um, Lashandia also said FOE, family over everything And that she hates that phrase So let's talk a little bit about toxic loyalty And what that looks like within family Because we talked a little bit about dating And what that seems to show up as So when we're talking about toxic in family I, I think one of the first things for me Is this expectation That blood relationships Mean that you can treat me any type of way And I have to continue to put up with it that seems to be the mantra for black women is if I, we are related and if we are related, that gives me access and the the ability to treat you however I want to. And you have to continue to let me back. Mm. So that's one of the things Katie said. She said the idea of respecting your elders and but that's your mama, daddy, uncle, when they haven't respected you or have harmed you. So.
2: And we do. We pass that idea down. And I think that. Um, For me, again, we're talking about situations where you're not repairing the harm, you're not really looking to repair the harm, Mm -hmm. and because we have not collectively as a people worked out our trauma from slavery and beyond, there are certain things that we equate with love and loyalty that we shouldn't. And because that's true, then that makes the opposite true. Like, I know because I have boundaries, one of the things that I hear sometimes is that I wasn't raised with love. And what that triggers for me is, so your idea of love is that I am supposed to have this endless amount of just let you say or do whatever mm-hmm. you want to say or do to me. And the minute I draw a line and push you back or set a boundary, now I don't love the family or or I wasn't raised in love or, or things of that nature. And it's like the ultimate slap in the face that you can be for damn near anybody on this planet is a black woman with boundaries.
0: Well, sometimes I think some of it Comes from all the ways that Black families have been denigrated, and the way they've been denigrated for not looking, you know, not looking a certain way, and that somehow we have been triggered into, you know, believing that holding on to, you know, family structures and people who don't mean us any good um, is somehow is somehow positive. Because it's it's showing that our families can stick together. It's showing that our families can be loving, even when that's not a picture of lovingness. And so, you know, I remember when *Fences* the movie came out, mm-hmm. someone wrote this article. Um, actually, com- it was complaining about how *Moonlight* won an Oscar, but *Fences* didn't. And it was one of those people with their the feminization of the black man. But they made this point that here was Denzel playing this good man in Fences and this film didn't, you know, get an Oscar. And I was like, good man, wait. What
1: Fences movie was that? Because the good one I saw. Was.
0: But it was, he, he was, he was in the home. Did he come here? He was, there. Home? Oh. He was did, there, Did I he beat her a lot? I mean, the baby he brought home was one from outside the marriage, but you know, he was a good man. He went to work.
1: And, and I think one of the things is toxic loyalty in families seems to come from this minimal expectation. The fact that you just exist means that anything that you do is acceptable. So the fact that you are just here. Um, and I think the other piece of it, too, is at times we pass down the, the, this dysfunction and that there is this is what we're used to and this is what how we work. And we have, again, bought into that, shine that light on toxic loyalty. And it's like for generations, it's like, hey, oh, you put up with extra babies coming in. Look at you. We love you. You're such a such a strong Roman. The next generation. Yes, you were abused by your, you know, by my brother, by your uncle. And you know what? You still sit beside him at family dinners so we can praise him. Look at you. Wonderful, because you are prioritizing family. And we pass this down from generation to generation. And that it becomes that this is what family is. And the expectation is that if no matter how dysfunctional the family system is, no matter how toxic it is, you stay, you put up with it, you adjust yourself to it to the point of, you know, you think I can only put up with this much, but you, if, if more comes, you figure it out because this is how, this is what we do. That whole idea. We family though, you you can't, you can't, you can't choose your family. You can't choose your family. It's you know, is yeah. that's the big one? You can not yeah. you completely can. Shit. I mean, but isn't that what they say? When you when you bring up these toxic issues within your family, and you're like, I need to set some space and boundaries, I ain't dealing with them. You can't choose your family.
2: Well, and you also you must remember that God problems. will never put more on you than you can bear.
1: That is correct.
2: So if you still alive then your back is broad enough for more. And when you die, then we'll know that you reached your limit of what
1: you couldn't bear. And that's what Jamila said. She said, because we are related, we have to tolerate and ignore bad treatment. That is what we're taught within the family system. And and I, I guess the the struggle at times is, how do we, I know I'm big on this in, in my kids, is that we are, you know, I post about this sometimes. It's like, you know, when those of you who are out there who are breaking generational curses, that's toxic loyalty a lot of times, is the is why those generational curses keep going from generation to generation. Is that being big on the idea of recognizing that this stuff is toxic, that yes, you can handle it in small doses and you get used to it. You get. You don't notice it as much and it's like how do we especially within that family system part of it is what you guys said is yes you do get to choose your family that we need to get beyond this belief that you have no choice that dna that who you were raised in the house with or whatever determines that you have to put up with madness within that system and so angie said that that is not bible that's about temptation and not about suffering so i I guess she was responding to someone I didn't see.
2: No, that was responding to me okay. when I said God will never put, put on you. Than you mm-hmm.
1: Right. I'm assuming. That was Absolutely. True. Absolutely. And so we look at toxic relationships, toxic loyalty within the families. We looked at them within dating. How about the fact that sometimes our friends that we stay? Why do we stay with friends that we know? I mean, many of us know people that we know we can think of off the top of our head if they're not in our own relationships that one of our friends continues to be friends with somebody and you like girl why why do you keep putting up with this and why do we do that why do we keep them and i have had some and we've talked about those before why do we keep them
2: y'all know this ain't the part of the conversation for me because you know i'm quick to be like who (laughs) who was that y'all been friends since the sixth grade we have
1: (laughs) So Tammy, me, me, why do you think that we keep them though? Because we, even if we're not the ones keeping them, we all, I said, even if we are not the ones <laughs> keeping them, we all can think of somebody we know who they come and they tell us about somebody and we like, girl, why do you keep being bothered with that person? So why do the people do that? Why as do we, not us we, but we as black women do that?
0: I mean, I think it's part of the larger idea that Black women are responsible for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of loyalty is taking on the responsibility for everyone. Even your janky ass friends with bad attitudes, that somehow if you've been friends long enough, you feel beholden to that Mm -hmm. person. And in the same way that we sometimes do with relationships, we're gonna fix it. Or, you know, she's only this way because, or she apologized. Like it, it, it works the same way as with relationships.
1: And and I'm wondering is how, because I know one of the things that we always try to focus on is this idea that we know that no one shows up for Black women, so we need to show up for each other. How do we, dis- and sometimes that push to constantly show up for each other, because some of us can demonstrate some of these same toxic behaviors. And so how do we draw this line yeah. of I'm right showing up head. for Black women How do we draw this line of showing up for black women and I can't show up for this one because it's exhausting? You know, every time I leave, it's stressful. You know, I I don't want to pick up the phone when this sister calls me, because when I pick up the phone, I know it's going to be something that's going to drain me, that it's going to be something where I'm trying to figure out what's true and what's a lie. Like, what is that line and how do we as black women become okay? With actually saying, I, I can't do all of us.
0: The line I, is your own well-being. Yes. You don't have to show up for, like, you have to give other Black women grace. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, you know, seek to hurt other Black women. You need to give them space. You don't have to show up and be buddies with every Black woman who exists. There are some people who just like, aren't good for you. And it is okay to walk away from those people. You can wish them well,
1: but yeah. it's okay. And Jameena says, I think, sometimes yeah, black Jamita. women are afraid to acknowledge that they have outgrown some friends in fear of being called stuck up.
2: And I think that that is a big, big part of it because, you know, we are, we are not supposed to grow. We are not supposed to thrive especially in interpersonal relationships, I will never forget um, when I graduated from undergrad and mind you, this wasn't even a close personal friend. This was my landlord. He pulled me aside when I graduated and you know, he did the old black people stick $20 in your hand. And then he said, let me tell you something. Don't you ever let that degree make you think you better than that man. And then he walked away.
1: Did he mean the Lord? Did he? No.
2: He meant my boyfriend.
1: Did he mean the man on the $20 bill?
2: Man. No, he didn't the mean
1: 100. the man on the 100
2: He literally, he was like, congratulations, you know, my wife graduated from Northwestern back when that's how she came to Chicago. She came in the 1940s and back when they didn't even let black people live on campus and went through the whole thing. Like he was really, really proud of her. And
1: And you're like, Oh, this is so wonderful.
2: (laughs) And And then he said, don't you ever let that degree make you think you better than that man. Can you imagine the reverse? Can
0: you imagine a Black man graduating from Northwestern? No one would tell him, don't you ever let that degree make you think you better than that woman, ever. And
1: and then you wonder, and and, uh, Jamila said toxic masculinity, masculinity, and you wonder how intentional he has been on a daily basis to make sure that she never feels like that she is better Than him. And I'm not even going to say better, but equal, even equal to Mm -hmm. who he is in the relationship. You wonder how much energy and intention he has put in all of those decades of them being together to make sure that that she's clear.
2: At that point, they were in their 80s. They had been together 60 years, Mm. 60 plus years. What
1: that
0: really means is that he had spent 60 years making sure she never felt too good about herself.
1: And uh, Jamila actually said a woman would be pray, would be encouraged to praise her man for getting a degree. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we want to also just kind of hit on toxic loyalty overall in community. Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention um, for my example was I, I'm a proud graduate of a historically Black college or university HBCUs. Um, love HBCU experience, grateful for the HBCU experience, but even at times like recently the howard university students did a blackburn takeover um of a building at howard about the living conditions of, under which they were being required to live so mold people were going to the hospital and the toxic loyalty piece was you can love your hbcu but still expect your HBCU to do better and be better. You had people saying, well, we had mold when we was there. Y'all need to just get over it. You got black lung now Only 1% of the students have it in there. So the rest of us are fine. Or, you know, we have these standards where it was like, well, of course your financial aid is going to be messed up. It's been messed up forever. Like this, when we call our institutions, specifically our institutions, and we'll say, Black institutions, so HBCUs, Black church, whatever Black institution you can think of, when we start having these conversations about this place has not done well by me or as good as it should by me, because there are institutions, our churches, our universities, there's this pushback of how dare you expect more from these places, be happy that they exist. And if you call it out, and say, but I'm not happy, then somehow you're disloyal. Yes, Dr. Strong.
0: Um, you have know to call on her when she raises
2: her hand. I know.
1: But I knew she was going to answer anyway. I was. One of those just, things, she was going I, to like, I, me, I just need me. To know
2: If we're including certain professions in institutions or if we're going to take some time to specifically talk about that, because I got some thoughts,
1: but continue. <laughs> And so it's like, how do we with our institutions again our, and I think the two biggest ones that are very clearly black institutions that you see this kind of push are our HBCUs and our black churches that if we call them out for, you know, it's in our, we were dealing with with Howard, with the mold, the student of the hospital, our black churches, where we're talking about war where we're talking about the idea of when there is abuse happening to black women in the church, you're told to be silent because these are our institutions. Why do we continue to not make space to say, the go- loyalty means I love you enough to want you to be better? And how do we work towards that? And loyalty not mean, I need to accept you totally as you are, even if it's physically or emotionally harming me. Like how do we get past that as black women?
0: You know, I also wonder what that said, again, what it says about what we think black people and black students deserve. Because when I hear people pushing back on the Howard students, I also think as someone who went to a PWI, you know, some mm-hmm. of the pushback I've gotten from people who went to HBCUs, like how dare, when people who went to PWIs say, well, I mean, my financial aid wasn't screwed up or I had a place to lay my bed. And they're like, how dare you? How dare you think HBCUs would ever do anything wrong or would be substandard? But then in the same breath, they're like, don't make HBCUs better.
1: And and I think the struggle at times is it's just like, Um, even within our family systems we can, within our own family systems, have the conversation, we should be able to, and say we expect better. But when it's outside of the family system, are you really coming from a place of trying to help fix it? Or are you coming from a place of, I don't have that problem, and I'm also just one more person piling on you? And I think sometimes when it's comes to PWI discussions, it's more so, well, it's not, I this is a problem, and the goal is to help you fix it. It's, see, I don't have that problem. And that's a very different discussion. I think the struggle when we have the toxic loyalty within those systems, within the church, within HBCUs, is those people within those organizations who are a part of it, who should really say this ain't good. And we need to make this better for the next generation who are sitting there and saying it is what it is. The next generation should not ask for more. We suffered through it and we're fine because of it. How dare you? And I think that that's that toxic piece of it is that you are shut down in your churches if you're saying, well, you know, we want women in the pulpit. How dare you, you know? Or they're saying some things here that are very misogynistic and it's harmful. How dare you want more? You got mold. Well, we had mold too. They've had mold. You know, when you hear people say they've had mold for 40 years, that is not the argument that you're supposed to have, but it's that same thing we deal with in our family systems of it's always been here and it's up to you to adjust to it versus those systems needing to change for you.
0: I think they're kind of connected only in that there's this idea that we have to be loyal to systems and institutions. And we're not allowed to leave or make another choice. And we're not allowed to work to make them better. So you can't have both. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about
2: HBCUs or K-12 education? All of it.
0: K-12, HBCUs, churches, all of our institutions. institutions. You're wrong for choosing anything differently. You're wrong for staying and trying to make it better. The only option you have is to be loyal and shut up and dribble, like you said
1: which is like the same as within our families and in our relationships. It's like the same expectations is you don't change it. You deal with it as it is.
2: But you also have to remember that there are entire professions or entities or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, whose very ability to still stand is predicated upon this toxic type of loyalty. Um, K-12 education. Mm -hmm. So when you look at educators specifically, what other professions are predicated upon unpaid overtime? Like you understand that as an educator, for the most part, depending upon where you are teaching, Mm -hmm. it's going to take you more than the allotted time to do your job. So you're going to pack that little bag and you're going to take it home and you're going to grade those papers and you're going to lesson plan on the weekends and you're going to do all of these things because you love the kids, quote unquote, because you love the kids. And so nobody is building things into the system to make things better for the people that are charged to work there because they know that you're going to do this or they hope that you're going to do this and don't be a black teacher teaching with black kids because then it becomes you don't care about the kids that look like you and these are the kids in your community and you're letting down the kids in your community and it's like I'm letting down the kids in my community because I didn't I didn't feel like working for free this weekend I'm letting down the kids in my community because the time that is allotted for me to plan things I actually used it to plan things and didn't use it for something else that you were hoping that I would do. So, and, you, and this is how this whole entire system is built. It's built on this notion of toxic loyalty to a profession because so, the profession could not run without people that were willing to do things for free.
1: So I guess I'm wondering, because I know about our time, we know that all these places, we know that families, and we know that our institutions, we know our jobs, we know our dating relationships, we know that all of these spaces thrive on Black women being in these situations that are toxic for them and continuing to exist. So what are some of the things that we as Black women need to do do say whatever, believe that helps us begin to move out of these relationships that are toxic. Because one of the things I find is that with most black women, they're not gonna tell you that they believe this stuff is healthy. They kind of know. Again, the, those small doses or whatever, and I can take it, but they're not sitting here saying, this is great. I believe this is totally healthy. They're having conversations that let it be known that at their workplace that, yes, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of on a regular basis. And that's how I'm supposed to exist. I know in my relationships, there is not this reciprocity. I know when I'm dealing with my family and I'm like, if these people wasn't my family, I wouldn't ever be dealing with them. Like we're having these conversations and we know it. So what are the beliefs that we need to have? What are the things that we need to begin to do to Move from acknowledging that this is the case to actually not putting ourselves in these situations or allowing ourselves to stay in them.
0: We need to start teaching Black women and Black girls, encouraging them to prioritize their own well-being, their own well-being first, and supporting each other in walking and walking away, um, which we don't do enough. Um, you know, supporting each other in leaving and walking away and saying no and making different choices. Um, that actually support our well-being.
1: What about you, Dr. Strong? What do you think?
2: I think that for a lot of us, um, we have to somehow find a way to believe that the world will not fall apart if we aren't there to hold it up. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times that's, that's where we are as black women and and you hear it a lot about well if I don't then no one else will and you really don't hear anyone else say that but black women um you know you know one of my favorite shirts is, is a quote shirt and it says you know fuck it I'll do it black women and that's kind of what what we are And what we what we have been programmed for centuries to be, Um, we are we really have put this country on our back. And I mean, if the election didn't elucidate that point, then nothing ever will. Um, We we put things on our back and we carry them. And when it's time to sit them down, there's rarely anyone to hand them to. So we just keep holding them. And when we start shaking and they fall, then people go, what happened? But they stood there and watched the shit fall apart, brick by brick, and didn't do anything about it. So I think that to answer your question, and um, I think that we just really have to be intentional about sometimes Rome is going to burn. And we yeah. got to stop walking around with fire extinguishers.
1: And and I wanted to kind of address a couple of things that people were saying that sometimes it's hard to walk away when that's all that you have. And so one of the things that we as black women need to do is even if we're in the midst of these very difficult relationships, we will put 120% of our energy and our time into trying to hold up those toxic situations. Even if we begin to say in this moment, I need to take 50% 50% of that or 20% of that to begin to try to foster relationships that are healthy for me. Because yes, sometimes we stay again in our families because we family, we all you got. And if you really believe that and or know that because you look around and all the people around me are toxic, then part of it is beginning to, how do I begin to foster some other relationships? So that isn't all I have. Someone said selfish. We're, we, we don't want to be seen as selfish. We as Black women, and I had said this in one of my book, called it the S word, you know, because we always say the we don't want to say the cuss word. And selfish is a is that word, as Tammy said. Prioritizing ourselves, the world calls us selfish, and on some level, we have to become more okay with that being the case. That sometimes because everybody around us in these toxic situations are being totally selfish all the time, mm-hmm. and so how do we begin to address that? And um, there was a boundaries was another one is be able to set your boundaries, Mm -hmm. identify what they are and say, if this is your boundary, you are not required to continue to move the line every time somebody tramples over it. And that's what we are usually taught to do. I wanted to give a couple of quotes before we kind of end this section that I found. Sometimes your heart needs more time to accept what your mind already knows. So sometimes you in your head may know. And it's kind of how do I emotionally prepare myself for this? You are not a rehab. It's not your job to fix everyone. Just because someone desires you does not mean that they value you. At some point, you have to realize that some people can stay in your heart, but not in your life. So wanted to kind of end that segment on some of those thoughts for us as we continue to heal, prioritize ourselves, set our boundaries and stick to them and identify those with whom we should give our time and energy. So that is that segment on Centering Sisters. We want to continue to hear from you, Um, continue in the chat, make sure you're posting on our page because we want to know. We want to know how you are handling these toxic situations. So our next segment is sis we see. Uh-oh. I don't see her the Tamara when Pierre's. Do you see anything?
2: Yes, you do. What? <laughs> so I just have one question before we move on to Sis. <laughs> so what you're what what I'm hearing, because you know I have to use my 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 what is it? Active listening language. Oh, no. So what I am here. Oh, Lord, <laughs> is that Z Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent was wrong when he said, how deep is our bond? If that's all it takes for you to be gone.
1: I, I would say, yes, he was. And I'm sure there are probably 70 other people who okay. are also in their lyrics are also saying some stuff that reinforces toxic loyalty.
2: I was just wondering if that's all it takes for you to be gone. Even yeah. in the old school, I got beef
0: with that song, Sadie. Oh my God, that song <sighs> just makes me
2: cringe. Her breakfast was on the table early on Sunday morning. And and she didn't have she time to cry. eat.
0: And while a papa was drinking brandy and mama would be crying and putting breakfast on the table. <laughs> I was wondering, even as a kid, why is that the thing you want to remember about your mother? Crying so, and suffering.
1: So, you know, one of the things, and I and will challenge those of you who are following us on Centering Sisters, a video cast for Black women, by Black women, on our Facebook page and on our Twitter, feel free to kind of post some your favorite couple of lyric lines that are really demonstrating toxic loyalty because we want to see what y'all come up with as well and we'll start thinking up some additional ones um as well about toxic loyalty and post some of our favorite i don't know if it's the right word least favorite most poignant most poignant ones about toxic loyalty. So make sure that you post those on our social media so we can see which ones remind you of the trash of toxic loyalty. Um, Papa
2: was a Rolling Stone is already taken. That's
0: all. (laughs) I just want you to know I'm being abused by a cat right now.
1: So in this segment, sis, we see you, we know that black women a lot of times are out here in our communities doing great work. They're doing it because they're passionate about it. And unlike people such as the lady from the blind side who then tried or dangerous minds, those women who write whole books about it and have movies about great stuff they're doing because, you know, that's they're doing stuff that black women are doing every day black women are doing it because they're passionate about it and that's what they want to do but we want to let black women out there know that sis we see you we see the work that you're doing if you know of a black woman or girl who is out in our in your community who is doing some amazing work send us their photo send us a little information about them because we want to feature them on centering sisters so sis we see you who are we seeing Tay Winston making space for black entrepreneurs. Tay Winston is out of Dayton, Ohio, eager to invest in herself. She launched a permanent pop-up shop in December 2019 called the Entrepreneurs Marketplace. It's in Dayton, Ohio. Over one year, year later, she's had multiple locations. What she does is that she pushes to the for, to the forefront, amplifies the work, the labor, the businesses of black women, girls, and other people in our community who have their own small businesses. And as we know, a lot that brick and mortar is not always an option. That getting people to know to come to you when you're a startup, you know, you're not going to get the traffic. So she does these great events. Sometimes she does these bigger outdoor events. She actually has a permanent marketplace where they rotate different vendors. And most of them are people from our own community. A lot of them are black women, girls and femmes And she is doing awesome work in Dayton, Ohio. If you are in Dayton, Ohio, I'm coming soon because some of the food places that she shows the pictures of at the marketplace look delicious. But if you are in Dayton, Ohio, Cincinnati, anywhere in that area, make sure you check out Tay Winston and her Entrepreneur's Marketplace. Tay Winston, entrepreneur, entrepreneur for all entrepreneurs. We see you. We are grateful for you. Continue the work, sis. So that is Tay. And I love it. So if y'all see Tay, let her know that we are so grateful for everything that she is doing. So this is Centering Sisters, a video cast for Black women, by Black women. I am again here with my co-host, Dr. Carolyn Strong, and MB, Tamara Winfrey-Harris. We have been talking about toxic loyalty today. We are asking you again, and we're going to put up After this episode, we're going to put up something about toxic songs. And so you will see that. So make sure on our page, you put it under there. You'll see the same on Twitter that will come from one of us starting that conversation about what's that toxic loyalty song that you know about. You can do it on Twitter and you can do it on our social, on our Facebook page. But we want to hear from you because we know that there are these messages in our music that are also reinforcing why we we
2: are we giving uh, what do you call that? timelines
1: yes we're giving I,
2: timelines because you know if you go back to old blues songs you could be there all day oh no
1: no yeah no because we are from different generations we have to you know let the love be or the hate okay. to be where it's coming from so no okay. there's no timeline so make a point point. and it's not I, just the title I, we want the lyrics so because you know sometimes we'll say this song and it's like no, it's not the. It may be the whole song, but there's that one or two lines in it that you like. This is toxic as hell, and so I'll that's the part of it.
0: I love Riri, but about Aretha's whole catalog is well, some toxic
1: loyalty. I mean, Her life was toxic, though. She grew up in a place where that yeah. was. Yeah. That toxic loyalty that was like. <laughs> was like that's your life. That's what you're supposed to do. So make sure you put that on our facebook page make sure you put that on on twitter you will see those be posted shortly again we are so grateful for you joining us make sure you're tagging your friends share this video as always follow us on twitter at centering sis facebook at centering sisters subscribe to our youtube channel which is again at Centering Sisters, and you will be able to find us. So thank you all again for watching this episode of Centering Sisters, a video cast for black women, by black women. I'm Dr. Tiffany with my co-host, the Tamara Winfrey Harris and Dr. Carolyn Strong. Have a good rest of the week, everybody. And for those who celebrate the colonizers holiday, which for black folks just simply means a day of food, happy day of food to all of y'all out there next Thursday. Bye bye everybody. Bye. Y'all.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review for bonus content. Visit Centering Sisters on Patreon and keep in touch with us at Centering Sis on Twitter and Centering Sisters on Facebook. Got feedback or an idea for a future show? Reach out at Centering Sisters at gmail.com. And remember, love black women, support black women, believe black women, Trust black women. Talk to you next time.